0: Welcome, everybody. I'm Mark Peter Davis, Managing Partner of Interplay. I'm on a mission to help entrepreneurs advance society, and this podcast is part of that effort. Uh, We've restructured the format a little bit, continuing to experiment and dabble with our content. My uh, partner in crime here on the podcast, Will, has been coming up with ideas. Um, We are doing something a little different now. Uh, Instead of having four segments... In the partner meeting format, we've kind of cut things into different podcasts. So, throughout the month, each week might have a little bit of a different flavor. A couple times a month, we're going to have Mike and Fong come on and talk about all things startups related to the market and business insights about how to operate them. Once a month, we're going to get on with Chris, and Chris is going to be talking about geopolitics and global macro markets. So, a little bit of a deeper dive, less frequently. And then we're going to sprinkle in. Once a month, an interview with an outsider, someone who's given us some really good wisdom uh, and has unique perspective. Uh, We've had incredible people come through and and, uh, honor us with their time before, and we'll keep doing that. So that's the new paradigm. And without further ado, today is going to be about the startup market. We're going to get a convo with Fong, talking about how to test concepts. Uh, And then we're going to jump on with Mike. And we're going to talk about startup ethics. Uh, interesting topics. Good session. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Fong.
1: Hi, Mark. How are you?
0: Good. Where are you today?
1: Um, I'm actually in St. Louis at my brother's house for the, for the weekend. My whole family Back lives home. here. Yeah. Back
0: home. Remote recording. I like
1: exactly. that. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. What do you have for us?
1: Well, so um, on previous episodes, we've talked about how to validate your business idea. Then after that, we talked about how to plan your MVP. So today, what I wanted to talk about is the next step after that. So once you have your MVP, how do you test it? So remember, the whole point of testing your MVP is so that you can iterate on your product and get to product market fit. So it's really important to be deliberate and thoughtful about how you set up your beta test, gather feedback, and then implement learnings to improve your product. So I wanted to just go, to go through a step-by-step outline of how you should be thinking about the process. So the first step is to define your test- text objectives. So this is important, and it goes without saying, but don't start the test until you know what you're trying to achieve with the test. So some example goals are validating the business model, identifying usability issues, and evaluating the user experience. Once you have your goals, make sure you create metrics that track the performance towards those goals. So for example, if you're going after user experience, you can assess that by tracking your net promoter score. Step two is to create user personas and then recruit testers that represent them. So this step is really critical to understanding how well your product is working for different types of users and then gain insights to the preferences of each of those types. So you can create personas by um, defining demographics and psychographics of core user types. Then taking the into consideration the needs of each persona, you can create test scenarios that reflect their real life interactions with your product. This helps you optimize your product to better serve each group. You can prioritize features, address pain points, and make improvements based on the feedback you get from each persona group. Next step is to provide clear instructions to your testers. So make a detailed document that explains exactly the purpose of the beta test and then outlines the tasks the testers should perform and provide specific guidelines. Clearly define the roles and responsibilities of each user group and explain how they should be interacting with the product during the test. Step after that is just to have the users test the product and gather their feedback. So ask your beta testers to explore the product and perform different actions that are relevant to the user group. So for example, say you're testing a marketplace. Buyers should be browsing and purchasing items, and then sellers should be creating listings and managing their inventory. Encourage testers to give feedback on the product's functionality, how easy it is to use, and any issues they encounter. And make sure you establish a process for testers to submit their feedback. They can do this through an online form, a dedicated feedback email, or maybe a community forum where testers can talk about their experience and report any issues. You should also be analyzing usage data. So collect data on how how testers interact with your product to understand their behavior. Some key data you should be collecting are user engagement, so how often they're logging in, how long they're staying. Uh, feature usage, so which features are they using most and which, which do they not even care about? Conversion rates, so this could be in on any number of activities, signups, purchases, completing a specific task, and then user flow. So see how users are moving through the product um, and identify bottlenecks where people are dropping off or any place that's like a confusing navigation path. And then the last step is to iterate and then repeat the process over again. So based on the feedback and the data you collected, make updates to enhance the functionality, user experience, and overall performance, and then do multiple rounds of testing. Each round should build upon the insights you got from the previous round, and then refine your product and address any of the remaining issues. And if you do that a few times, there shouldn't be any any remaining issues by the time you launch. So remember to have an open communication line to your beta testers. And tell them how thankful you are for their participation because their feedback is going to be a really important driver of how successful your product is.
0: This is awesome. Great topic, great coverage on it. There's one thing that I always found really helpful, which is watching people use the product their first time. Yeah. And not saying anything, not resisting the urge to say, no, click there. Watch them struggle. Watch them figure, you know. See where they, it's not obvious to them, because that's when you identify, you know, real gaps in the user experience. So uh, that's the one thing I would add into that that I think is super helpful. And it's intuitive because we figure, tech, you know, in tech, people are going to be using their software remote from you. So you kind of right. model the beta after the future usage. But there's a lot to be seen when you see people struggle.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you're so close to it. And it's so obvious to you that when you see someone just blindly go at your product and not be able to understand something that you spent, you know, hundreds of hours on, um, it's pretty eye-opening.
0: Totally. Good, good topic. Thank you, Fong. Have fun out there. Mike, how are the waves, my man?
2: We're back. World Day weekend. Summer's kicking off. Water was packed. Freezing cold still, but nice.
0: Are you territorial? Are you that guy on the waves where you're like, get the fuck out of my space? So you, in a crowded water, you kinda I'm not a I'm not an
2: asshole, but like you kinda have to be like aggressive. Otherwise, you know, you won't surf any waves. So you, you have to be aggressive within reason. And especially out here like in ditch plains, like you have a lot of noobs out there who don't know how to surf. So you kinda you have to like be a little aggressive um within reason. But no, I'm not mean. How,
0: how was the indoor surf park?
2: Uh, no comment.
0: No comment. Are you not yeah. allowed to talk about it? Uh, it's, it's too good. I don't
2: want to, I don't want to like,
0: you know, try to keep on the DL. okay. So you are <laughs> territorial about your waves. Okay, there we go. No, this is, this is different.
2: We can talk about this one offline. <laughs> All
0: right. Uh, I got a question for you today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Real-time, I'm going to throw it at you. How do you think about ethics in the portfolio VC relationship? What are the, what are the do's and don'ts? You know, it's this mm. weird paradigm. Let me just cue it up while that you, you process that for a second. You've got this weird paradigm, right? You've got a, your counterparties, right? In theory, you're negotiating against each other, entrepreneur versus VC. And then your partners and then every 6 12 18 24 months your counterpart is at some level again right negotiating the new financing whatever yeah and so there's this weird dynamic where people are on your team but across the table it's partners that you're negotiating with yeah the the term is co basically right yeah where how do you think about
2: but you're competing
0: yeah yeah how do you think about um, Do's and don'ts, lessons learned, what comes to mind when, when I throw that out? Yeah. Oh man, this is a good one to unpack. Um,
2: it, at the end of the day, the short answer is, you know, obviously everyone should just be transparent and ethical. You know, Unfortunately, that's not the world that we live in. Founders skew data, they show what they wanna show. They, I will say some go as far as lying. Um, we've had founders lie about numbers before and do I do I think it's always in like an unethical way? Maybe sometimes yes, maybe sometimes no. Um, sometimes I think they also genuinely just don't really know it, right? And they and there's so much pressure to have accurate data and to seem like you know the numbers that you might you know try to co-opt something into being what you what you want it to be. Um, and there's a lot of pressure on founders too, so I, I sympathize for them. But at the end of the day, if you don't know, I think it's fine to say you don't know. Or, hey, let us get back to you on that. Or, hey, let you know, let the team go do the work. Or, hey, how do you think about calculating that? Right? CAC's a good one. So a lot of founders will show CAC or payback period, and they'll use uh, revenue instead of gross margin. It's just not the right way to think about it. Right? It's not, it's not an accurate number when you show revenue. And they'll say, well, some people call it revenue. I'm like, well, it's not revenue. So um, do I think they're unethical in doing that? No. But do I think that uh, there is a a, a, a clear uh, interest in theirs in not showing the accurate data. Yes,
0: you know this is a it's a tough dynamic. I, I think the big unlock in psychology here is when you when you're a founder, you feel like you have an obligation for all prior investors, employees, your team, your co-founders, and also yourself but that may not be the thing that's weighing on people the most to try to make the company win almost at all costs. And I think the line is you have to know that you don't have to win. What you have to do to honor all those people is your best. And that's a big distinction because Mm -hmm. it means that you can go out and be transparent and ethical and honest and if you fail, it's okay, because failure happens, particularly in startups, but in life. But as long as you're going out and doing your best, everyone's going to be okay with the outcome. Yeah. Really trying and being humble. So I think that's, the, that's the, the thing that I think is the unlock for when founders feel caught between a rock and a hard place, between their values maybe, what they think is right, and doing what they feel like they're supposed to those two things should converge, right? The right thing and what they're supposed to is the same thing. But I think the unlock to get them aligned is to know that your job isn't to succeed, it's to do your goddamn best. Yeah. And there there might be a space between those two.
2: I, I couldn't agree more. I think the other thing that, you know, on the investor side, we have to remember sometimes is that founders live on an island for the most part. And in that... They don't have the same data set that we have in terms of what other founders say, what's okay, what's not okay. You're right. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to fail. It's okay to be like, Hey, we need help here. Um, Those are conversations that VCs are having with their, with their portfolio companies every day. And those are the healthiest conversations, right? The unhealthy conversations are when founders are obscuring data, hiding something, not being open and transparent about it. And then the investor finds out later. Because then, yeah. then you have this feeling of deception. Like, oh, I've been lied to. Oh, they're not being honest with me. Oh, then can I trust them going forward? So it's really easy to break it down. But to your point, I think you know we we know that the founder's seat is really hard. We know that all we can ask for is you to give it 120, percent and anything on top of that is 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 gravy. So. Um, just stay above board, be transparent, ask for help when you have problems, and I think you'll have a great relationship with your investors, and it will grow and thrive. And then when you do need capital, they'll know they can trust you. Or when you need advice or you need introductions, oh no, we know they're above board. Like
0: we'll make it happen for them. There's a um, there's a, I'm probably butchering the phrase, but it's like the first board meeting surprise, right? You yeah. do you make an investment, you go to the first board meeting, and then you find out all the stuff they didn't tell you in the pitch. Yeah. Um, there's no need for it. But, you know, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard spot, particularly in the fundraise when you're bringing on new partners, because you, you are selling, right? You're yeah. trying to convince people to pick you out of many. <sighs> totally. And, and in, everyone's got an Achilles heel. Everyone's got a weakness, right? There's something wrong with every company.
2: Totally agreed. And I think the, uh, the market shift in the last year or so now has made this very, uh, clear because Prior, people were getting term sheets with no diligence. So, founder would you know, pitch deck, pitch, term sheet, first board meeting. Oh my God, what do we buy? Now, multiple calls, real diligence, real relationship building, real skeletons in the closet, real understanding of the business model. Way less of that at the first board meeting, I'm sure. Right? You know, we're not at every deal in the country, but I'd assume that the skeletons in the closet board meetings are down significantly from where they were. Um, and you know, our view. I know you feel the same way is that this is the best healthy relationship for founders and their uh,
0: investors. Yeah. All right, my man, uh, back to it. Good seeing you. Thanks for jumping on. All right. That's a wrap. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, as always, you can find us on Twitter and on our website, interplay.bc. I'm on Twitter at MPD. Uh, Feedback, insights, ways we can help, let us know. And until next week, hope you have a good Memorial Day weekend. Cut that part, because it's the wrong timing. And until next week, period.